guys, welcome to Cat Jamie in the Car. Today we have our special guest, Martin. Welcome, Martin. Hey, thank you for having me, Cat. Good to have you. So Martin is another famous, uh, another comedian, fellow comedian. You're gonna say famous, aren't you? I'm about to say female and turn into oh. a famous. Oh. Last time, sometimes I was like getting confused about the words, you know. Uh, anyway, so Martin, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Martin Morrow. You might have seen me on uh, commercial at some point in your life, uh, as well as stand-up stages all across the globe. Awesome. So, Martin, well manifested, you're gonna be famous, right? I'm just about to yes. say famous, right? Yes, yes. This so is the year. that's a word came out of my mouth right now. Yes. Is that this crazy? Is the year for it. Yes. So, Martin, tell us how how did you start in stand-up comedy? I started in college, actually. Uh, so I started in a duo called Tubby and Martin with my high school best friend, and essentially, you know, uh, there was an open mic going on at my college at Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. And we were like, we should do this, you know, mm -hmm. kind of break away from our usual friend group right. and just kept going from there 15 years later. Wow. It's been 15 years. Yeah. So how long you lived in L.A.? I lived in L.A. for five years. So like you moved to L.A. just pursue your stand-up comedy career, right? Yeah. This and do, mm -hmm. do a lot more writing, a lot more opportunities that are available here. Yeah. Cool. It's so funny. Like community, we ran into each other. I literally just saw Martin last night. Yeah. Over at the dime. Yeah, small word, right? So I feel like comedians you constantly see each other. Yeah. Yeah. So like Martin, are you on tour right now? Uh, not currently. I, I did do uh, two little tours last year. So I, I hit up New Orleans. I was mm -hmm. in Nashville. I was in Mississippi over in Oxford. Very fun scene they have down there. And um, a hometown of Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, cool. So like Martin, um, like as a stand-up comic, do you see yourself as like a tour comedian or see yourself on TV and the film? Like, like talk to you later on, like say like 10 years, what is your goal as a stand-up comedian? I, I, you know, I always say my goal is the same thing. I, I want to continue having fun doing this. I want to be able to uh, travel freely and not have to, you know, promote with the, a thousand uh, mm -hmm. Facebook uh, invites <laughs> and hoping that someone sees it. And, uh, and yeah, I'd like to do more film and more television. And I, I think that they kind of supplement each other in that regard. Yeah, because I was, uh, spoke to some other comedians uh, last week. Like some comedians said that, you know, they, they enjoy being on tour. I feel that's like male comics. You guys be on tour, I'm sure, like I always say male comics get it girls, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way? That male comics get girls? Get it girls, yeah. Oh, no, not at all. No, no not no, at I, all. I think, I think there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of lack of riz, for uh, lack of a better term. Not a lot of riz in the in the male comedy community. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe they know something I don't. <laughs> but uh, no, as far as I know, most of my friends are losers who don't get laid on the road. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny though. Like last night, I remember you did your study. We're talking about like, you know, comics should not date each other, right? It's such mm -hmm. a small world. If you date each other and then you broke up and it's awkward. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's, nev it's never fun to uh, hear, hear jokes about how awful of a boyfriend you are. So Yeah. Especially but, comics, we write jokes about your ex a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's another reason why some people don't want to date comics. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. you better, you better marry them and settle in and don't tell anyone like I, I have always said I want to my goal for comedy right now is to get so rich and famous I can quit comedy 
Seriously? Yeah. So you you you'd actually want to quit comedy. Everyone should everyone should want to quit comedy. I think at a certain point you age out of what is mm -hmm. uh, what is being said and what is being done. Like you know, if I don't I don't want to be like seventy years old, mm -hmm. just like still trying to hop up on stage. I want to be able to you know really raise a family and be like a good dude who's just with his wife and kids and stuff and like you know occasionally makes money doing uh other stuff or can pop up every now and then but no th this is not a lifestyle that i think facilitates towards uh <laughs> great mental health and physical well-being in the long run so wow that is very interesting you said that as well because speaking of mental health issues right because people constantly criticize you know lots of comedians suffering from mental health depression do you think it is like a big issue here in our comedy world yeah i, I think mental health is a big mm -hmm. issue like I, I i always hate when people say um uh, I don't I don't need therapy because this is my therapy. It's like, no, it's not. A, a therapist is someone who's licensed and trained to talk to you about your problems. Mm -hmm. You you essentially are just holding people hostage with your deepest, darkest, weirdest thoughts. So mm -hmm. there's a very big difference. Um, and, but I, I hope people do, you know, if you, if you need help, get help. Uh, if you don't think you need help, get help because then you probably need it the most. Yeah, I think like nowadays people, I mean, came out of pandemic lots of people do suffer depression like you know all kinds of like a mental health issue like people see therapists like you know that's so much needed yeah. and then you were talking about a family earlier um as a, a comedian's lifestyle is so hard right being on tour constantly being away from your family or friends um it is so interesting you talk about like you know you want to have family because last week brian mcdaniel was in my show and then for him he just feel like you know what keeps him grounded is his wife and his kids mm. Like even he said sometimes he's on tour, being on a cruise for five days, he will miss his wife and has kids. And then when he got home and then he felt like it's so settled. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's another thing like for comics, lifestyle is kind of like always floating, right? Yeah. It's good to have something holding you grounded. Yeah. You, everyone needs some form of balance. And I, I think there, there are definitely ways to do it. But I know for me, the minute I like, you know, I find out, oh, such and such is pregnant. I'm like, OK, well, no more free shows. I'm not going to do a show for free after that. Uh, everything mm -hmm. has to be. You know, these are new price. These are baby prices now. So. Yeah, yeah, like raising, like raising family, right? Yeah, Lots exactly. Comics. So that's your goal, right? You want like make enough money, be able to raise a family, get married, have kids. Yeah, and ha and be able to own a own my own home in Los Angeles. So mm -hmm. that's goal number one. And once I cross that threshold, then yeah, somebody's getting knocked up. All right. <laughs> be ready. Yeah, I, lo I love that we, we kind of look like a bootleg version of Rush Hour right now. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It is so cool. Yeah, that's you know I've been wanting to do podcasts for a while. Like I've been thinking about this, and sometimes you have like a you know the, the thoughts for a while. I feel like podcast market is so saturated. It very much is. So yeah. and I'm like, okay, I literally came up with this idea during Christmas time. I was like, I'm gonna do podcast in the car. Yeah. And then I just like, I start doing it. I feel like it's so much easier than I had thought because before you do something, you overthink it. I don't know about you. I yeah. overthink everything. I can tell you there's no one else doing a podcast in a Porsche. So 
awesome. you, already, you already have uh, <laughs> a big win right here. Thank you. This is a, like a big investment. This podcast better blow up. Yeah, I, I bet the car note is not uh, <laughs> not easy on it. Yeah, I do like work so hard for this. Like I edit a video, like writing concept, all the things on my own because I think comics it's good to write your own thing. By the way, another thing, um, Martin, do you write your own jokes 100%? Yeah, 100%. I, I don't trust anyone else to write about mm-hmm. me. So how do you feel about it? Like uh, last time I have some comedians came over to my podcast to talk about like, you know, he actually write jokes for other comics that like they sell jokes, Yeah. you know? So like, do you think you will eventually go down that route to like write jokes for other comics and sell jokes as well? Or I mean, it's possible. I've, I've sold, I've sold jokes before. I've, uh, yeah, I've written for other comedians who are more famous or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they have their own thing going on. So they need someone to come up with jokes for them and I think that's a really good way to you know especially if you if you have more of a creative mind than a performer mind uh it's a really good way to get into the realm of writing for tv so Mm -hmm. I I always you know I think a lot of people hate it but I always think it's like a a good idea if you want to keep kind of building your your name and brand yeah I think as comics we we all start writing our own jokes first right I think it could be good transition from like a comedian to like TV writer yes like that thing uh, I totally see this kind of transition later on as well like even for me I feel like later on I would love to write for some TV comedy with my writing skill gets better and better so Okay, since you talk about like, you know, you want to make enough money, right now there is a thing going on in our comedy world right now. Just if someone offer you, like say, $5 million, say, Martin, someone offer you $5 million, but the deal is you will never step on the stage of stand-up anymore. You can never do stand-up anymore. Really? $5 million tax-free? Yeah, just like $5 million. Just say, yeah. okay. You yeah, would take fine. it? Yeah. Good. <laughs> I, I've, I've, done, I've done so much in stand-up already and been able to go so many places that... You know, five five million—that's a life-changing amount of money. So, I would still, you know, support my friends who I think are funny. And uh, but yeah, I've done like, I've done everything I need to do in stand-up. I think I'm not not every. I mean, there's still other things, but mm-hmm. for five million, yeah. Take it, right? Oh, five yeah. million gonna raise kids, buy a house here exactly. in LA, right? That's where that's where the family starts. <laughs> Any there's not there's not a person in LA who wouldn't see a, a man with five million dollars and not and, and who who is not doing stand up and be like, Okay, I like I like that guy. He's funny, but he doesn't have to be funny for other bitches. Like that's a good it's <laughs> <laughs> a good balance. Oh yeah, so like it's so funny, like everyone's uh, perspective is so different. I feel like for you you at this point in your career you want to have family have kids more than have like stand-up comedy career because i i talked to some younger comedians last week he just said he enjoyed being on tour he can get girls having fun like it's just so different right like yeah. you said you've been every everywhere right yeah but i mean getting getting them girls catches up to you at some point so <laughs> you know yeah yeah I know, so that's every every comic's different, right? Yeah, that's the that's the beauty of comedy. Mm-hmm. Some some people are different, and some people are, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Marty, is there your favorite club to perform here in LA? My favorite club to perform in. Uh, I always love being able to go up on the at the Laugh Factory. Mm-hmm. It's uh, always a fun time there. Very different audiences. Uh, I've, I've had the privilege of performing a couple of times for. Uh, um what's the show uh late for work at, on sunday nights at the at the improv and that's that's been like 
Uh, both times have been really, really fun and electric. So mm-hmm. those are probably my top two right now. Yeah, I also feel like, you know, here in LA, people say that, you know, it's way more competitive. They said that, like, you know, it's hard to get paid in LA rather you go on tour. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I think that you, you make your name in LA so you can travel with that. Uh, so, you know, either, either as someone who's featuring for person XYZ or as just like, there, there's so, like, I remember when I lived in Chicago and even like to an extent, like I'll, I'll see posters from my hometown in Alabama and I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. But they'd be like, we have such and such coming from LA. And I'm like, I've never heard of this person, but because <laughs> it says they're from LA, people are going to come and watch them. Uh, be bad. So yeah, like nice. you said, make a name here in LA, right? Because uh, uh, I heard some other people say that if they if you are willing to drive like three hours out of LA, like go to like other you know smaller city, you get paid instead of in LA here. Also, we have way too many comedians, very yeah. competitive, right? Yes, way too many comedians here. Yeah, but do you feel like this to help you grow as a comedian better? Because it's like you constantly have to perform with like really good comedians you have to step step up your game right yeah i I think that other places you tend to plateau at a certain Mm -hmm. level uh and once you hit that uh you know once you hit that kind of level of of height you you end up just not willing to grow or wanting to grow Mm -hmm. so i think like here and you know new york are probably the best places for that whereas like i think other markets and this is no shade or no offense to other markets but i think once you get to a certain point there you're like okay well i still just i just need to stay afloat as top dog so you end up doing the same jokes over and over again mm-hmm. you're not like there, there are so many times where i've you know traveled back somewhere i've performed at before or lived or wherever and i'm hearing like jokes i heard seven eight ten years ago and i'm like okay mm-hmm. well yeah do you feel like the comedy scene in new york is different from l.a yeah, but I think there's a lot of crossover, and I, I see a lot of, like, L.A. people now moving to New York. Um, but, yeah, like, last time I was there, it was, it was, it, it felt similar in some regards of, like, you know, you see, you see the up-and-coming people, you see the, the kind of weirder, avant-garde, I guess, comedy, uh, you see the, the more club comics, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So it still has its balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I feel like LA definitely is it's like a very competitive. I've never performed in New York before, but I, people said, "Oh, you need to go to New York. You can do four and five show per night here in LA. It's kind of impossible, right?" I mean, even we have a comedy club on Sunset and Merrill's, but it's still like I don't know how people do four and five show each night. Yeah, uh, well, they I think they start a little bit earlier there, so like a lot of their their clubs or a lot of their shows will start at like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'm sure some people also like factor in open mics or whatever too, but they'll have something that starts at five. And then if you, you know, go up early in the five, you could make a, mm-hmm. a seven o'clock and then from a seven to a mm-hmm. eight, eight to 10. And then there might be like a late night show somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right. So is there any of your favorite city to go on tour? Favorite cities? Uh, love New Orleans. That's definitely number one. Uh, Cape Town was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, and you mean Cape Town in South Africa? Yes, yes. Wow, yes. you performed there. I did. That was that 20... is pretty cool. Yeah, twenty eighteen performed there. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that club is still open. I think the the pandemic uh, 
it was it was kind of a victim of the pandemic but if you know if anything else opens up there i'd love to go back um but yeah th- those are my probably top two always going back home to birmingham is up there mm-hmm. uh atlanta uh the aforementioned new york so what is it like to perform overseas? Do you think like Amer- uh, like American comedy, kind of you know translate in like a foreign culture as well? Or not really. Uh, I I think there there are topics that are universal no matter where you go. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows about death and sex and relationships and you know family. Uh, but like I, I remember, I, I performed in Shanghai, and I mentioned you went to Shanghai. Oh yeah, my yeah, gosh, yeah. I want to go to Shanghai after because right now I heard it's still pandemic over it's still, there. Yeah, yeah, it's still, I yeah, I want to go there so bad. But I mentioned Martin Luther King Jr., and they were like, "We don't know who that is." And I was like, no "What? Way. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean you don't know MLK?" And they were like, uh, "We have thousands of years of history. We can't worry about <laughs> your squabbles from." 50 years ago where you guys <laughs> where your government wanted to murder this one dude for uh, for trying to get them to stop being racist so. oh that's interesting so another thing about performing like say like for example in shanghai obviously that that's not the country speak english right mm-hmm. so when you perform there like what what are the audience like you know uh so you, you have a lot of expats usually okay. so uh you have people from australia and England and uh-huh. Germany and the U.S. who now live there and uh, you know they they still want to go out and hear some comedy and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's cool. like international right you it's mean? international oh, yes, that's cool. yes so like you know being on tour for so many years uh, like you know what is like you know the uh, how to say uh, difference you know the american audience compared to like uh those foreign audience do you think american audience are more open-minded compared to like uh no the opposite i'd say okay yeah i think i think uh overseas audiences are because they don't they don't get offended as easily really yeah oh that's interesting because i feel like it's another thing to talk about speaking we have to talk about a cancel culture thing as well yeah right I, i i think that over there they are just a little bit more open and receptive to any sort of ideas or kind of going on a journey with you. Right. Whereas here, if you just hear like a certain word, you, you immediately shut down, you shut off because you heard mm-hmm. that thing that you you think is going to be bad or that thing that you think is going to trigger you or upset mm-hmm. you or whatever. So I think that they tend to have a kind of better overall... Um, view of like what humor is and being able to honor and stay open to that wow that's very interesting i think it uh like nowadays speaking of a cancel culture as comedians um like here like we talk about in like america like you've got to be very careful about your jokes right everyone's so easy to get offended yeah you know and that's why i hate there's this um thing that a lot of people say of like well, cancel culture doesn't exist. Like, that's not what? true. Yeah. You've never so, read that? Oh, my gosh. Who yeah. said that? You, you'll see it online all the time. Cancel cancel culture isn't a thing. It's it's about, uh, it's, it's accountability or stuff like that. It's like, no, it is. It, if it isn't a thing, it's a thing that we've made a thing because we've said it so often. I can say the word, like, goobly boop, right? That's not a thing, like, because that has no definition. But... Mm-hmm. We can define what cancel culture is. Mm-hmm. And if the idea is, uh, well, cancel culture doesn't exist because this person that would have been quote unquote canceled is mm-hmm. back to working or back to doing stand up or back to, 
you know, whatever. It's like, oh, you wanted them executed. You wanted them murdered? Is that, you want them dead? You wanted them to commit suicide? Like, what did you, what is your idea of what a cancellation is? Because uh, I think that what we tend to forget is that when someone is quote-unquote canceled, be it for their stand-up, be it for their actions, whatever, there is still an air of, um, an air of like, oh, they might have lost this deal, or they might have lost this amount of money, or lost these gigs. So there were things that were canceled uh, in the wake of the the infraction mm-hmm. that I think when we see it from the outside, we don't really view. But I think another thing that's important to realize with cancel culture, and we're seeing it with like Owen Benjamin and you know a few other people, not not Owen Benjamin, uh, Ben, I forgot the guy's name, but um, those those comics who now are like going super Republican or super conservative. It's like, yeah, they're going to find an audience. They're going to find community. And you don't, if you, if the goal is to not have more voters on that side, then you, then you're, you're messing up by pushing people away because everyone's going to find community somehow. So I think it's a lot about like, how do we, how do we listen to ideas that might be different from our own and, and still like, you know, view those in a, with a critical lens, but at the very least, uh, you know, be receptive to helping someone, uh, like, get back into a sense of community. Yeah, so Marty, since you've been doing comedy way longer than me, do you feel like it's harder to write jokes these days compared to, like, say, like, 10 years ago? Um, No, I don't think it's harder. Um, I think that, you know, you know, even, even last night we heard all sorts of jokes, some good, some bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot bad, but we... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like the, the place like we go. Like I feel like in more like a comics workout room. Everyone trying out our new jokes, right? Like, yes. Yeah, it's a good place to try out new stuff. Yeah. If you, yeah, I don't want to. If I, I, I always judge people if I'm like I've heard this like five times. Why are you doing this joke here? We, you know, we've heard you. Uh, <laughs> but, but I get it. Sometimes it's you know it's a muscle to work out. Um, but yeah, I I think that it's not necessarily harder to write comedy now i think if anything it's just a matter of how how you want to how how do you want people to interpret you and your your character that you portray on stage Mm -hmm. uh if you if you you can still write the same stuff and still like perform the same topics as you could 10 years ago but does that show growth does that show like uh, evolving uh in, in your own performance and in your own writing ability if 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 not, then maybe, you know, if the audience is not giving you the reception that you that you think because you are stuck in a mind frame of however long ago or whatever type of thought process, then mm-hmm. I think that that that's the reflection you need. Yeah. Do you do you feel like you uh, kind of sort of like, you know, adapt your jokes in, in like um, according to like the audience so like one time I did a show in Orange County and I feel like the audience there are so different from Hollywood it's very Republican there here in Hollywood it's just more like liberal right like some jokes work out here in Hollywood doesn't work out in doesn't totally just not you know good for those people in Orange County at all I, I, I feel like I adjust to an extent but at the same time I think it's important to be true to yourself but like I, you know, there are certain jokes I probably won't do here that I would feel more comfortable doing in an Orange County, and there's certain jokes in Orange mm-hmm. County I probably, you know, you know, vice versa. Uh, 
but at, at the same token, like I, I never want to lose sight of my own ideals and my own views and mm-hmm. who who I, you know, would like to be as a 34 year old man who's, you know, still growing and evolving every day. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to be like, you know what? I think racism is kind of cool. Like that's not going to be something I just, mm-hmm. you know, say because I'm in a different environment. Uh, hey, Marty, have you ever done college shows? I have, yeah. What, what, what's it like? Because I, I always feel like college kids are way more like a Nibiru, right? They're more accepting. Um, I, I don't know about more accepting, but they're more liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but also I think it depends on what, what college you go to. Oh, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. So what, what is your experience in college shows? Like, uh, they, They've been mostly pleasant. You know, I've not gotten any, any complaints or anything. Um. Typically, it's, you know, you you just kind of stick to the structure and you, it, it's a lot of being very firm in, in, in what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. I think, I think the, 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 a lot of, a lot of comedians fear, oh no, these college kids are more like brittle. But I think in truth, they just want you to stand firm in what you are saying or doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can trust you. They just want to be, they just, you know, they, these are kids who just got released from their parents, right? And their parents are the people they've trusted their whole life. And now they're basically, in tr- they're, you know, they're building their own community mm-hmm. uh, where they're entrusting their new views and thoughts and opinions and stuff based off of someone else. So now it's it's another adult entering. And granted, some, sometimes you do have to deal with like that kind of combative nature of, you know, someone who's 21 and who has a, a fresh vision or whatever, but... If you're if you're secure in in what you're saying and believe in what you're doing, then it's okay to challenge them and you know deal with whatever consequences may or may not come from that. Mm-hmm. Have you done any college show here in LA? Um, I, I've done a couple of couple here at uh, UCLA. I, I wouldn't I don't know if I'd consider them like college colleges, but they were at the college campus. They were uh, at a frat- uh, fraternity house there, and they were they were both fun. <laughs> like yeah. it's 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 I think it's fun to interact with them and like you know. I think we talked a little. We talked a little bit earlier about performing in mm-hmm. different countries, but it's it's kind of the same thing. Of like, these are people who are still like just developing and learning, mm-hmm. and but they're dealing with the same stuff that the rest of us are, just maybe on a scale that you know. I I think we like if if it's a video game, we've dealt with it on hard level, and they're kind of now like in the easy mode, but like they just learned the buttons. I think that's the best way to uh, analogize that. All right, so uh, Martin, we talk a lot about a comedy. Uh, okay, let's do some like fun questions, right? Let's do Speaking it. Of some uh, relationships. What is a deal breaker for your relationship? A deal breaker for my relationships. Uh, anyone who's like excessively mean or way too nice. You like mean it, way too nice. You yeah, mean? yeah. I okay. hate it when someone's just like, "Good morning." I'm like, "Oh, we're not doing this." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I need that like good middle ground of like you. So can you kinda... need some sassy, sassy, sassy yeah. bitches. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I I like when there's like when you can kind of joke back and forth, and but also when you can just like sit quietly in a room and enjoy each other's company. Yeah, someone kind of like you know be your company can also kind of be on their own, right? Yes. Sort of not always have to be like you know dependent on you. You mean? Yes, I, I like when it feels like two individuals who've come together as opposed to someone mm-hmm. who's looking for their whole. Yeah, independent woman. Yes. That's it. All right, so what is a green flag of your first date? Green flag of my first date? Ooh. 
if if they if they can lead the charge in a in a conversation, I like I prefer to listen more than than speak. So mm -hmm. uh, if they if if it's someone who's like if it's like a back and forth and you don't have to do like the what's your favorite color like I hate small talk. I like yeah, to get like deep into the the roots mm -hmm. of everything. Yeah, small talk stuff annoying. Yeah. Um, what is a red flag? Red flag. Red flag. Ooh, uh, someone who yells a lot, like when they're talking. Um, like if they if they come at everything in a defensive mode or with aggression, then that's typically someone I'm like, ah, I'm I'm good on this. Mm -hmm. I think the the older I've gotten, the more I've been able to be like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, I don't really want to deal with this. Well, we can be friends, and then just you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you feel dating LA is hard? I think dating anywhere is hard. I think it's uh, not just LA, right? Yeah, I mean you're 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 always navigating minefields, you know, because mm -hmm. you're 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 essentially you are asking someone who has twenty, thirty, some odd years of their own upbringing and trauma and different lifestyles and exes and you know this partner did this and this partner did that and then you're mixing that with yours and you don't know theirs off rip because that'd be insane. You're basing it off of like a small bio where they presented the best part of themselves of like I'm good at sarcasm or whatever. Uh, and and you're and they're basing it off the best part of you that you present up up front of like I'm funny in certain situations or whatever. So mm -hmm. you you're you're mixing those and then every now and then you get those splashes of like Oh yeah, that's when that guy yelled at me, or oh yeah, that's when that girl said to choke her, or like that kind of thing. Like <laughs> it's all very different, and then you kind of figure out like, is this something I'm willing to deal with long term or or not? Mm -hmm. All right, cool. One last question: If you can only pick one type of food to eat for the rest of your lifetime, what would it be? Ooh, one type. Um, Italian. Mm -hmm. Italian, yeah. I think there's a decent amount of variety there, and I'd get my, my carb loading on. <laughs> all right, that's cool. So, all right, Martin, thank you for being in Caddy Jam in the car podcast. I like, I, I guess it's too hot here in the car. I, I couldn't even like speak male and female. The words totally got around. It's too hot. It happens <laughs> anyway, to the best of us. Yes. All right, so do you have anything to plug? Yeah, just follow me on Instagram and uh, TikTok and Twitter at Martin M. Morrow, spelled like tomorrow, M-O-R-R-O-W. So it's uh, M-A-R-T-I-N-M-M-O-R-R-O-W. It's two M's in the middle. Uh, and I put all my shows there and clips and all that jazz. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Peace. Thank you.